1: Yama, welcome to Night TV Radio. Coming up in your program this Friday afternoon, have an interview of academic, lawyer, Indigenous rights advocate, and filmmaker Larissa Parent ahead of her participation in the Australian International Documentary Conference, taking part in an exclusive session that will explore the importance of First Nations-led filmmaking practices in ensuring authenticity and respect when handling First Nations knowledge. Also in the program, we have a story about the repatriation of spears that were taken during Captain Cook's landing in 1770. That's more than 200 years ago. Well, they'll be returned to their traditional owners, Also in the program, we have a conversation with uh, Mitch Tambo. He'll be joining us to talk about his latest release, a reinterpretation of a 1980s classic, This Great Southern Land, reinterpreted in Mitch Tambo's language, the Kamilaroi language. These stories and more coming to you on NITV radio after the latest news, broadcasting from Nam on the Kulin Nation this Friday afternoon. Bertrand Tungandame, I am Bertrand Tungandame. This bulletin spears taken by Captain Cook in 1770 to be returned to their traditional owners. Foreign Minister Penny Wong to meet with her Chinese counterpart in the sidelines of the G20. And Victoria Police has witnessed a rise in the disciplinary hearings among officers. Four spears taken by Captain Cook from Aboriginal camps in 1770 will be repatriated from the UK back to their traditional owners in Sydney. Kajigal Foundation Chairperson Ray Ingray says the Kameh Spears will be displayed on country at Cornell in the hopes it will re-educate visitors about their cultural and historical significance. Mr Ingray says he hopes the Spears' permanent return will also provide a spark to reconciliation efforts.
0: Um, It wasn't a good event um, all those years ago because there was violence straight away. Um, So it is probably a good tool that everybody can see from those events that can kick-start the conversation around. It may not have been a good history, our shared history, but nonetheless that's our history and let's look at a way how we can move forward together.
1: A former Aboriginal mission in Sydney that has become a crucial place for Indigenous activism and resistance will be formally recognised. The New South Wales Government has declared the site at La Perouse in Sydney's south to be an Aboriginal place, which means it will be preserved and managed in a way that respects the culture and spiritual practices of its traditional owners. Aboriginal families have lived at the La Perouse site, south of Sydney, for more than 7,500 years. With the Frenchman's Bay location also recording a long and troubled history of oppression and dispossession dating back to the late 1800s when Aboriginal people were forced out of the city. Sam Kidman from Heritage New South Wales says the listing is a testament to the great resilience of Indigenous people. More than 500,000 people could be forced to pay the government's new superannuation funds, according to some media reports. Treasury officials estimate the tax increase from 15 to 30% on the earnings of funds above the threshold will only impact around 80,000 people. This claim will be central to debates in Parliament if the changes do affect six times the number of workers the government is currently forecasting. Opposition leader Peter Dutton told Channel 9 the policy would affect people into the future.
0: It turns out it's not 80,000 people, it's hundreds of thousands of Australians. And even if you're 25 years of age, with the 3 million not being indexed, in today's dollars it's a cap of about $1.2 million. Mm. The government's making it up on the run. It now turns out that they want to tax unrealised capital gains. So if your shares go up in value, Mm. they want to tax you on the profit before you actually sell the shares which is unbelievable. And I just think it continues to go uh, from disaster to disaster for, for the government.
1: Deputy Prime Minister Richard Marles told Channel 9 it was a responsible policy.
0: Uh, it only affects people if
2: you've got $3 million in your superannuation fund. That's about 0.5% of superannuance. So 99.5% of people are unaffected. It doesn't come into play until after the next election. But at the end of the day, we've got to make the system sustainable. We inherited a budget from uh, Peter and his crew, which was a trillion dollars in debt, and there was nothing to show for it. And we need to be responsible.
1: Victoria Police has witnessed a rise in disciplinary hearings among officers. 17 Victoria Police employees were dismissed in 2022 and a further 31 resigned while their cases were being heard. Key themes that emerged during about 100 hearings last year were unjustified access and use of police information, sexual harassment and predatory behaviour, vilifying behaviour towards minority groups, family violence, drink driving and drug taking. Chief Commissioner Shane Patton said while most people did the right thing, a minority of workers thought rules did not apply to them. He told Channel 9 the police force are dealing with this issue.
4: Uh, We accept that any one person who's acting improperly or is engaged in criminal or or disciplinary misconduct, uh, that's one too many. But that's why we're dealing with the issue, and we have been dealing with the issue for a range of years. Not what we do, we continue to look at our culture, we continue to enhance that through our training, through all of our human rights training, uh, through making members aware of what they should be doing. Be in no doubt. This is, I want you to be really clear. The consequences of this is, you will be dismissed if you're charged with
3: these type of matters.
1: A teenage girl has been pulled alive from the rubble more than 10 days after the earthquake that has now killed more than 42,000 people in Turkey and Syria. The 17-year-old has been rescued in the Kahramanmaraş province in Turkey's southeast. The death toll from the magnitude 7.8 earthquake in Turkey is now more than 36,000, whilst the reported toll in Syria is almost 6,000. Authorities in both countries have not said how many people are still missing. Mining workers have been assisting in rescue operations in Turkey. One such worker Chemelde de Deoglu, explains the joy finding a survivor brings.
2: Yani
4: <inaudible> mutluluk. There is no other joy than hearing the voice of a survivor. It is not something I can explain. There is no other happiness than taking that person out and handing them over to their families. I mean, I wish we could get
2: everyone out without any injuries.
1: Hong Kong firefighters are battling a blaze that broke out at a construction site in the city's popular shopping district. The fire erupted at the Mariners Club redevelopment project in the densely populated Sha Tsui district about 11pm on Thursday. No casualties have been reported, but multiple floors of the structure are on fire and burning debris has been seen floating in the air. The site is surrounded by a shopping centre, several hotels and some residential and commercial buildings. Residents at a residential building close to the scene had to be relocated, police said, but authorities have not said how many people were affected. Police added that four adjacent buildings were so on fire, but those blazes were extinguished. Foreign Minister Penny Wong has met with her Chinese counterpart on the sidelines of the G20 meeting, urging China to play a greater role in ending the conflict. Senator Wong said the removal of ongoing trade barriers also formed part of discussions with Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gang. She said the world looked to Beijing for responsible leadership on the Ukraine conflict.
3: I would uh, note that President Zelensky himself has said he
4: uh, wants to believe that China uh, uh, he w- will do the right thing and not supply weapons to Russia. Uh, and that is not only Australia's call, but the call of
1: all countries. There are concerns that Western nations are well behind China in key technological development, according to a new report by the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. It found China was leading the world in 37 out of 44 critical technology areas such as defence, space, energy and artificial intelligence. Former Australian Army Commander Major General Mick Ryan told Channel 9 the report shows Australia and other countries must refocus efforts on research and development. He says while Australia's trade relationship with China could improve, there remains differences.
3: Well, the Chinese are certainly uh, talking like they want to play nice, the reality is their behaviour has not changed um, in any of their meetings, either in Europe or in our region. So, you know, we have to be clear-eyed about our relationship with China. It's a, a relationship where we trade with them, but in many areas, particularly in values, uh, we do disagree.
1: Few patients are receiving targeted weight management support, according to a new report. More than two-thirds of Australian adults are classed as overweight or obese and more than 70% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders aged 15 or above. That figure is projected to increase in coming years. Obesity rates have doubled over the last decade at an annual cost of almost $12 billion. The findings are from a report by Health Research Alliance, Research Australia, which warns general practitioners need targeted assistance to support their patients. It found less than 1% of obese Australians who visit their GPs receive weight management support, Despite research indicating many cases can be linked to genetics, family history, and ethnicity, the report found there is an urgent need to upskill general practitioners and provide them with the resources needed to support uh, patients. And to sport in, Australia, in an Australian para-swimming para fast, two head coaches have been appointed to steer the nation's team to this year's world championships. Kate Sparks and Harley Connolly have been named the head coaches for the para-world titles in Manchester from July 31 to August 6. Sparks will oversee the men's programme and Connolly, the women's, in a move which, is, which, if successful, could be extended to next year's Paralympics in Paris. Swimming Australia's high-performance director, Tamara Shepard, said Connolly and Sparks were standout candidates to head the para-swim programme. Now having a look at the weather around the country. Broome mostly cloudy, thirty-two. Perth mostly sunny, thirty-one. Adelaide much the same, twenty-seven. Melbourne partly cloudy, twenty-two. Hobart also partly cloudy, twenty. Albury Wodonga sunny, thirty-one. Canberra cloudy, twenty-five. Wollongong showers, twenty-three. Sydney more rain, twenty-six. Newcastle a shower, two, twenty-eight. Brisbane a shower two clearing, twenty-nine. Townsville partly cloudy, twenty-nine. Mostly sunny thirty two, early springs, sunny thirty four, Darwin showers and thirty one degrees, Twisted Islands, cloudy day ahead and a top of twenty eight degrees, and that is NITV Radio News.
3: NITV Radio, Monday.
1: Wednesday, Friday at 1 pm or anytime online. I am and you're listening to NITV Radio coming to you from Nam this Friday afternoon. Coming up next in the program, we'll look at the repatriation of First Nations cultural items that were taken from Australia more than 200 years ago and now they'll be returned to their traditional owners. Also in the program, Mitch Tambo will uh, join us to present his latest release, a reinterpretation of a 1980s classic, This Greater Southern Land, which he has reinterpreted in Gamilaroi language. But first, let's explore the importance of First Nations led filmmaking practices in ensuring authenticity and respect when handling First Nations knowledge. Mm-hmm. Larissa Berendt is a legal academic, award-winning writer, filmmaker and Indigenous advocate and I'm happy to say that Larissa Berendt is joining us to explore first and foremost First Nations knowledge through documentary an exclusive session at the upcoming Australian International Documentary Conference. First of all, welcome to NITV Radio Larissa.
4: Thank you, it's great to be here.
1: One of the key uh, talking points of uh, this session will be discussing the importance of First Nations-led filmmaking practices in ensuring authenticity and respect when handling First Nations knowledge. Can you elaborate on this for us? Sure.
4: Uh, You know, the content of the television show I'll be talking about is the show called The First Inventors, which is a co-production between NITV and Channel 10. And a lot of the content in it is looking at the um, knowledges and sciences in Indigenous knowledge systems. So it's very, the content is very strongly cultural and there's a lot of sensitivities around it. So from that point of view, the process of filmmaking needs to be incredibly collaborative with the talent who is coming on to share their knowledge and that doesn't mean just you know working with them to make them comfortable etc it's really a much more structured uh, conversation about how they want the story to be told what is it that they want audiences to take away and then making sure that when um, things have been edited that the community and the people involved from the community have had a chance to see how the story is shaped to ensure that it is resonant with the way that they would tell the stories, that we've stayed true to their voice.
1: That was going to be my next question about uh, how First Nations uh, producers uh, actually harness factual formats uh, for, for broader audiences, yeah.
4: Yeah, and look, this is a very um, challenging project in a lot of ways. I've done a lot of content for NITV over the years, and it's uh, you have confidence that you can use a particular language or refer to um, different concepts within that content. So things like song lines, you can you can trust that First Nations people will have a stronger idea about. What that is similarly with concepts of kinship but the challenge is when you are looking at a, a, a show like this one that has two audiences the audience of niTV which is primarily mob and then a um, audience with channel 10 which uh, is going to be um, much more non-indigenous uh, you have two very different levels of uh, knowledge about the issues in the audience that you have for the show so I think one of the challenges for the producers is making sure that they provide the space for creatives like myself to do a much longer process of pre-production with communities making sure we've got all of the right protocols in place and there really has been time to work out how we're going to tell the story but it also means a lot more time at the back end as well as we go through the editing process. I think one of the things that's been very exciting about this project is the community members around the country that we've worked with have been of course very excited to have content on NITV but they definitely appreciate what It means to be on a commercial channel and to be telling First Nations stories to people who might not otherwise hear them. And then that then puts a lot more pressure back on the producers to make sure um, there is cultural integrity and in the process of making the stories more accessible, we're not losing the integrity and the voice of our First Nations participants.
1: Yeah, what you just said is a topic we've been talking about in the last few months at NITV and SBS, as NITV just celebrated the 10th anniversary, and uh, it's just about telling First Nations stories by First Nations people themselves, uh, which seems to be uh, aligning with what we will be talking about in uh, the conference.
4: Um, You know, obviously, um, I was involved with the establishment of NITV, I was the first chair, and The whole idea of setting it up was to create a broadcasting space that would provide a platform for First Nations people to lead their storytelling. I think many of us who were involved with that process grew up when there was no First Nations content on television and when people came in to do Indigenous stories on rare occasions, they were done really, really badly and... You know, I think that what we see um, as part of the process of reclaiming um, the storytelling space of our own stories, our own history, our own perspectives is, you know, we, we're seeing a, a, a way in which people can express a kind of self-determination in how they tell their stories and having control over their stories. One thing that's very central to these ideas as well is um, our deeper understanding of what Indigenous cultural intellectual property is and and how under Western concepts people think they can come and take stories but under our protocols it, cultural knowledge n- needs to stay with knowledge holders so this is a, a way of saying that as we've come into the space, told our stories, it's not just been an exercise of sovereignty and an exercise of self-determination. We have actually seen a real shift and a change in the way the industry works to tell stories and how it respects stories. I, I think that's a really important part of the NITV and the content makers story and the indigenous media story that often gets untold. We've not only created a space within the industry but we have transformed the industry.
1: Yeah. And coming back to your film, the upcoming film, The First Inventors, I saw that uh yeah, it will transport viewers back in time between seventy thousand and one hundred and twenty thousand years ago. To a community in the midst of developing sophisticated stone tools, art, agriculture, irrigation and much more. This will dispel a lot of the colonial myths about uh, how First Nations people live
4: i really hope so i mean that was a a really part of the aim i grew up understanding completely how sophisticated many of our systems are and you know at the heart of it you have to ask the question how did we become the world's oldest living culture and you don't get to be that just by luck it was by our innovation And it was about the way in which we live with our environment and it was about the way in which we've lived with each other. And even within things like the kinship system uh, where we've got some sort of fabulous ways of looking at that including – A Gomeroy mathematician, Jared Field, going through how much deep mathematics is in this kinship system. These were things that ensured that we lived for 65,000 plus years without ever needing a prison, without ever needing an orphanage, without ever having a homeless population. There were things that we did that were truly extraordinary, but then you've also got the innovation side of things. We look in the fourth episode at how Indigenous knowledges as we understand them today can actually help solve the problems of the future. And again, not just in relation to climate change, though, of course, that is one area where Indigenous knowledges have a real um, role to play in giving sustainable pathways forward. But, you know, as we're coming into a period where civil society is feeling very fragmented, um, you know, we we have ways in which we have structured our societies, which have meant we've um, been able to, to be a sustainable culture. So there, there's, a, you know, I really hope that that is right um, when you say that, because that was the goal. And I know we've got some very big national conversations on at the moment about voice, truth and treaty, but there is a part of this project this nas- these national conversations that really require Australians to more deeply understand how sophisticated our cultures are and to really celebrate the complexity, the nuance, the science, the sophistication of the cultures across our country—it's been very exciting to make it, and I have learnt things that I didn't know along the way. So, as well as educating a broader Australian audience, I—I I hope that there are things within the shows, the stories we tell, the innovations we look at, that make a lot of First Nations mob, you know, really proud. Yeah,
1: and I must say, when you spoke about treaty and all that, you also produced a, an award-winning film after the apology.
4: Yes, yes, that's right. Um, uh, that the, the film came out almost 10 years after the apology, and we were already seeing an increase in the number of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children in out-of-home care so that the numbers since the apology were increasing exponentially. Um, we haven't seen that that trend change. And although that is a very hard social justice issue and the film also celebrates the role that First Nations grandmothers and parents play, grandparents play, uh, in ensuring that our children Uh, stay out of of out-of-home care and challenge wrongful removals, Um, it was also a a look at the importance of our community-controlled sector and the the importance of self-determination as a way to ensure that those statistics change. And I don't see a film like that that looks at a very hard issue like the increasing rates of child removal as being unrelated to a television show that looks at the sophistication of First Nations cultures. They are all part of a continuum of conversations we need to have and understandings we need to be providing to um, the broader Australian community to make sure that our cultures remain strong, that we have the space we need to practice our cultures, that our that, that we are self-determining and sovereign in the way that we live our lives and that state intervention into our lives in terms of our children, the criminal justice system, the juvenile justice system, um, you know, is, is kept at bay.
1: Yeah, I couldn't think of two movies that actually encapsulate the topics that we'll be covering and the main topics that we discuss in the community that are not properly addressed and only First Nations people could address them the way they should. Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us today.
4: Lovely, thank you so much.
1: Join the
2: conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
1: Four spears taken during Captain Cook's landing in 1770 are finally set to return to country. The spears are being formally repatriated more than 200 years after being taken from Australian shores. Deborah Groke has this report.
2: When English explorer James Cook and his crew first made contact with Aboriginal people in 1770, Dozens of spears were taken from the camps of the traditional owners at Botany Bay. Gujarga Foundation Chairperson Ray Ingrid says the spears were of huge cultural significance and their loss keenly felt.
0: We have a spiritual connection to the to Kame Spears because it's also part of our ontology, our dreaming that tells us how not only Gamay Botany Bay was created but how the people came from, from the stingrays. And then it also, it's important from our shared history as well for all Australians because it's the point of first contact.
2: More than 250 years later, only four of those spears remain. The artefacts have been held in a Cambridge museum in the United Kingdom for over 100 years and only temporarily brought to Australia for an exhibition at the National Museum in Canberra in 2020. Traditional custodians say they've been lobbying for their permanent return for decades. And now that's becoming a reality. La Perouse Aboriginal Land Council Chairwoman, Nolene Timbrey.
4: The four KMA spears held by Trinity College um, are finally going to come back home for good. Trinity College um, agreed earlier this week to transfer ownership of those spears uh, back to country, so back to the La Perouse Aboriginal community.
2: Nolene Timbrey says the community is overjoyed.
4: I haven't stopped smiling since I heard the news, so um, to hear that they're coming back and they're coming back to stay is unimaginable. It's it's something that we've worked at, it's something that we've been talking
2: about for a really long time. When the spears arrive back in Australia, Ray Ingris says they'll be displayed on country at Cornell in the New Visitors Centre. National Museum of Australia's senior curator Dr Ian Coates sees the repatriation as a positive step forward in promoting respectful management of collections worldwide.
0: It's certainly something that the National Museum of Australia in Canberra, we work a lot with um, Indigenous communities and, and work to you know give voice to their perspectives and uh, You know, we're always
2: keen to um, support those communities in their attempts to um,
4: reconnect with collections, be they in Australia or overseas.
2: Ray Ingry is hoping the Spears' permanent return will spark further reconciliation efforts.
0: Um, It wasn't a good event um, all those years ago because there was violence straight away. Um, So it is probably a good tool that everybody can see from those events that can kickstart the conversation around. It may not have been a good history, our shared history, but nonetheless that's our history and let's look at a way how we can move forward together. Deborah Grawick, SBS News.
3: NITV Radio. Share our stories on
2: Facebook.
1: Gamilara singer-songwriter Mitch Tambo is joining us on NITV Radio as he's just released a new song our interpretation of The Great Southern Land in Kamilarai language. Yama Amich.
3: Yama Yama, thanks for having me.
1: Now, after the release of Silent Night leading up to Christmas, a few months back in language, you're back with a bank with another great classic reinterpreted in language as well, the 80s classic, The Great Southern Land. And this time around, in a great collab, a duo with uh, Reagan. Tell us how uh, this collab came about.
3: Yeah, it's been an amazing journey. It's one of them things. It was like it was just meant to happen. It just all things lined up, and I was able to um, collab and do this song with Regan and um, have the blessing of Ivor Davies and and Icehouse, and um,
1: yeah, here we are. Now, this song has got some very powerful lines I can quote. A story about a journey ended long ago. Listen to the motion of the wind in the mountains. Maybe you can hear them talking like I do. They're going to betray you. They're going to forget you. I'm gonna let them take you over that way. Very powerful lines, in my view, the most powerful ones uh, in uh, this song. Now, every work of translation involves a bit of uh, interpretation. How did these lines translate in Camillai language?
3: Yeah, no, this one was it was great because a lot of it's metaphorical, and it and the the analogies used to do with the land and you know, listen to the motion of the winds in the mountains. Maybe you can hear them talking like I do. You know, things like that that's uh it's pretty straightforward. So it was um you know, it was a great song to to translate with Arnie Bernadette Duncan and I think it's a song that really celebrates also um the essence and the beauty of this nation and the the land and landscapes.
1: Yeah, and how did the collab with uh, Regan come about? Oh I mean, Regan's a great vocalist and
3: um it was just seemed like I guess a somewhat of a natural fit to um to come together and you know. Also, I think it's great to give the song a, uh, you know, a, a woman's perspective and feel as well, which is great. Um, she's got a great energy, and, and also it's a, it's almost that unsaid celebration of, of two cultures coming together, than two cultures that that love this place and this
1: land. You know, this single, the Great Southern Land in the Gamilarite language, uh, has got um, comes with a cover. Beautiful artwork, uh, beautiful uh, Indigenous artwork. Can you tell us a word or two about this artwork?
3: It's an incredible sister, doing incredible work and, um,
1: you know, definitely deserves to be
3: celebrated. So I'll I'll definitely be sure to send you all of her details so you um, give her a good
1: plug. She definitely deserves it. The Great Southern Land was uh, released back in the 80s. Now, how does the message conveyed back then resonate with uh, today's audience?
3: Oh, well, it's just a celebration of the land and place, so it's timeless, isn't it? You know.
1: Yeah, and it's a classic not only enjoyed by uh, music lovers, but um, outside uh, music lovers' cycles as well. Now, will you be going around the country on a promotional tour?
3: You know, you, you create music, you want to get out and tour it and um, share it with the listeners and you know really just take it to the people I suppose and that's what music's all about hey it's just a sharing experience and it's a beautiful exchange I suppose of words and energy and and music so really looking forward to being out on the road and sharing this song and hopefully doing it justice of course because you know as you said it's been around since the 80s it's an iconic song and you know the essence is there it speaks of the land and that connection and this great southern land and Again, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Me as a proud First Nations man and obviously um, Regan being a non-First Nations person, I think it celebrates us as First Nations people, our connection and love for the land and then for non-Aboriginal people that are here that call this place home now also celebrates their connection and it's a great celebration of of us coming together to celebrate that narrative and that
1: story. Mitch Tambo, just a parting word before I let you go.
3: Oh, look to everyone out there, I just want to thank you all so much including you, my brother, for all your support um, of my music and of this single that's just gone number one on iTunes World Music Charts and broken top 20 of the all-genre charts with the likes of Ed Sheeran and some other world-acclaimed artists. So to have your support out there, you know, celebrating and sharing and getting around our music is incredible. And just want to thank you again, brother, and SBS for celebrating and giving me the platform to share my music and language because, you know, I'm a big advocate for um, artists of diverse backgrounds and languages, you know, to, to push for that caliber and that style of music to be heard on uh, on radio stations. So I really and truly appreciate your support.
1: Mitch Tambo, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today about your latest release, The Great Southern Land in Camillara Language.
3: Awesome. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate it.
1: And that was uh, great, uh, Southern Land, uh, great Southern Land. Great Southern Land just uh, released a cover of uh, Great 80s Classic by Mitch Tambo and uh, Reagan. With Mitch Tambo, of course, singing in his language, uh, Gamilar Raya language, and Reagan, who is a great vocalist uh, singing um, in English. Well, that's all for today on NITV Radio. I am Bertrand Tungendami, thanking you for being with us uh, this Friday afternoon. And also wishing you a very, very beautiful and safe weekend. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu.